0: I received a phone call that morning from someone down on Wall Street saying something was going on. I went up to the roof of my building, which was on the Lower East Side, less than a quarter of a mile away from the World Trade Center, and just watched, you know, what was going on in basically just kind of shock. And words just came out. So I just wrote the words that came out of me naturally down, called it Jazz for Peace. And that's what I called a poem. And then I recited that poem. Of course, after 9-11, the country was closed down. When it reopened, I had an appearance at the Savannah Jazz Festival. It was a headliner sort of a thing, lots of people, over 8,000 people, and I recited the poem there.
1: This is Associations Thrive, the podcast celebrating successful associations and their leaders. I'm your host, Joanna Pineda, CEO and Chief Troublemaker at Matrix Group International. Listen in as top association executives tell all, revealing the creative and innovative ways they're increasing membership, generating revenue, nurturing engagement, and reimagining their organizations. By the way, if you've launched a new initiative, created new member services, or updated your governance structure and are seeing great results, I want to hear your story and so do my listeners. I'd love to have you as a guest. Go to podcast.matrixgroup.net and apply to be on Associations Thrive. Now let's dive into this week's show. Today, I have the huge honor of speaking with Rick De Rada founder of Jazz for Peace. Hey, Rick, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Sharon. Hey, Rick, tell us about Jazz for Peace. You've achieved a lot of success and you're well-known worldwide. Tell us about it.
0: Well, it started, you could say it started in the beginning of my journey as I started traveling to other countries and, and learning about the kind of healing and communicative powers of music. The first country I ever performed in outside of the United States actually was Iceland. But as the years went on from studying at the Conservatory of Boston and, and moving from there to playing as a sideman with well-known groups and not so well-known groups and just traveling along them with my own records, I found myself pretty much all over the world, whether it was Asia or Europe and lots of places, the major cities, you know, your Tokyo, Paris, etc., but yeah, I, I knew all of these things about music that had been building up. And then what happened was I kind of ended up with a bird's eye view to the events of 9-11 just due to the fact that I received a phone call that morning from someone down on Wall Street saying something was going on. I went up to the roof of my building, which was on the Lower East Side, less than a quarter of a mile away from the World Trade Center, and just watched you know, what was going on and basically just kind of shocked. And words just came out. So I just wrote the words that came out of me naturally down, called it Jazz for Peace. And that's what I called a poem. And then I recited that poem. Of course, after 9-11, the country was closed down. When it reopened, I had an appearance at the Savannah Jazz Festival. It was a headliner, sort of a thing, lots of people, over 8,000 people. And I recited the poem there. The poem was then, you know, it just kept growing from there. The poem was then put to music for another concert that I had in upstate New York that I talked to you a little bit about off camera, how uh, that came together. Of course, all of this was also part of event capabilities that I had learned. You know, uh, we had something called the gig office when I was in school. And just from being a part of so many events, but also with working with people on their events, I kind of was able to take all of that experience and bring that into helping outstanding causes with events to empower them.
1: Well, so Rick, Jazz for Peace is an interesting organization because you've got a huge mission, which is really to bring people together. And you've got a benefit concert series, you've got a musical instrument donation program for children, and you also have educational programs. So maybe tell us a little bit about the benefit concert series, like who benefits and You've done like over 850 around the world. So tell us a little bit about the concerts.
0: Basically, it started in a youth hostel on 106th Street in New York. The youth hostel was called Jazz on the Park. And that's only because the owner's name was Jazz. And I think it was J A Z. But I figured I'd use that to my advantage. The fact that his name was Jazz. And also the fact that 106th Street on the west side is also uh subnamed Duke Ellington Boulevard. Ah. And so we started to help outstanding causes. And, you know, one day we got a call from a person running for president named Dennis Kucinich. his office, and said, Hey, we just want to know that you're on his slate for his favorite things to do in New York city. He wants to go to the jazz for peace concert. And I was like, Oh my God, does he realize that it's in a downstairs, dingy youth hostel? I guess not, but what am I going to (laughs) do? And we just made the best of it. You know, and I, I gave him an award actually an honorary ambassador award that I'd previously given to Howard Zinn. And that's continued with other great people. Ralph Nader is another one who's received it and some others, but, I just kind of followed the natural path of what it was doing. You know, I knew when we received a letter from Michael Bloomberg telling us the city of New York commends you and all these superlatives that we had to start following our mission, which is really worldwide and at least start involving other states. So we started going to other states, all the other states. You know, I mean, there was there was Jazz for Peace Day in uh, Alabama. Huntsville, Alabama. Huntsville, Alabama had Jazz for Peace Day. And the mayor and everything,
1: the proclamation, the whole thing. And Rick, what kind of organizations benefit from your concerts? I think you did one for the American Red Cross. Yeah. So we had no idea,
0: as most people do, that there are just thousands of organizations. We just had no idea. I just figured, well, well there's the Red Cross. Then there's the Habitat for Humanity. There's you know, United Way. Just the ones off the top of my head. Well, we started doing those. And then we started to realize there's all kinds of them that nobody's ever heard of. And many of those are really in need of publicity and awareness that generates great publicity and awareness. So, you know, that's the thing about these events is they do so much more than just raise funds. Some organizations need the publicity and awareness more than anything. Other organizations need new and prestigious supporters, which we are often able to draw in to these events from the publicity and from reaching out to people that we feel have like-minded interests. Some other people that didn't know about this organization know what they're doing, but they're interested in that kind of a cause. You know, we try to match people together. So it could be that, you know, we've had situations where people told us, wow, that person you brought on, that well-known person, in some cases, it was Barack Obama uh, onto a cause in, uh, in Chicago. You know, the one was like crying, couldn't believe it. So that's just one branch. So that's what I'm trying to say. One branch of this tree can be a home run for the right cause at the right time. But we have seven, at least seven branches
1: Before we get to the empowerment tree, as you call it, I want to talk a little bit about your journey because you started out at the New England Conservatory of Music and you say that how you became an event expert is through something called the gig office. You got to tell this story because it's a great story.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad to have this chance to do this today because it hasn't been brought up in the other podcast. So this is making this one very unique and it's so important. So I played in a lot of different types of bands, and a lot of things where I was in school growing up. In fact, I had to give up my paper route because the homeroom teacher had his sons that played guitar. And he wanted me to play in their band that played all the high school dances and you know the junior high school dance and all that, which was great. And then my mother, she wanted me to take over at the church for her on um, the church organ. Then that involved other things for the musical things for the church, et cetera. And then there was a grown-up band that needed me. They needed a keyboard player and sing a few songs or whatever in their band just because they needed me. And and they had to say, look, we'll pick you up and we'll get you in and out of these places. They can't card you or whatever, because then they, they know they'll be without a keyboard player. So we'll get you in, we'll get you out, all that kind of thing.
1: So Rick, these were gigs that were being advertised in the gig office at the New England Conservatory of Music. And instead of like working at the library, you were picking up gigs. Right, because when I went to New England Conservatory and I saw the gig office, I saw, well, wait a minute. I could do these
0: gigs and it's just a phone number and you call it. And a lot of times, you know, a lot of people weren't going to call it because, you know, some of the kids were just classical pianists. So they couldn't do that kind of music. And they weren't really interested in that kind of thing. I was. I was interested in calling these numbers and saying, look, I can do it. A guy who needed silent movies once. I remember I played Schumann. (laughs) So there's like 18 little micro pieces in the Schumann dub. And I played it for this silent movie thing and they gave me a standing ovation. They just loved it. It was just perfect for their movie. But you know, it was so many things, playing in hotels, all kinds, I mean, so many wild different things. But I was working on a lot of these people with their events. I would meet with a bride and groom or the family of someone getting married, going through all of the details. Yeah, I'll play the organ. Then we're going to do the little thing, you know, the ceremony, the first. Well, then we bring the band to the cocktail. Then there's the band's going to come in we're going to have the first dance. All these kinds of things working on people's with their events. And so when Jazz for Peace started to really take shape, it was exciting for me to be able to tap into all of the experience I had putting my own events on. And I think I told you off camera, I had even put on my own jazz festival by that time.
1: Right. So, what you did is you basically developed or amassed this experience developing events while you were still in school, so that then when you decided that it was time for you to kind of create your own events, you had, you really had like this master's degree in how to put on amazing events. That's the
0: thing. I had this University of the Streets degree.
1: Right. For
0: event planning. And I had worked with people on events. I mean, I used to have people, one woman used to call me from her plane. She called me from her plane <laughs> and I'd go out to her place in Long Island, this $13 million estate and put on this event. She'd tell me, yeah, Tony Bennett was here last week or whatever, you know? And so it was all kinds of wild things, assisting people with their events and the music. And, you know, because I was a diverse musician, I was able to bring a lot to the table because I would, you know, help them with the event and the music and the type of music and all that kinds of stuff. So I had all of this experience that I was able to tap into it. And what's incredible is I was able to work with each individual
1: organization so that their event was unique and special. Absolutely. Hey, Rick, let's stop for a moment. I think all this talk about music is making my listeners want to hear a little bit of your music. Why don't you play us something for a couple of minutes?
0: So I'm going to just make up something off the top of my head, and then I'm going to kind of segue into... Kind of a classic standard that was sung by Chet Baker in the movie Let's Get Lost called Almost Blue. Ooh, okay, let's do it. Well, here are two different types of jazz for sure.
1: That was gorgeous. Thank you so much. Tell us what you just sang. The piece I was improvising, what I just call Free J.A. because I, I make it up and it's kind of part of a free
0: jazz movement that used to have some roots here in New York City. They would take these lofts and they'd put on these concerts and amazing musicians would just freely improvise. One of those jazz greats actually asked me once at a famous Jewish deli down here, you know, said, hey, you know, you really need to carry on that tradition because we would do a free improvisation as part of our show. And he really liked it. And this guy is not loose with compliments. He's a tough guy. And he, when he said that, I was kind of like, hmm, okay, I'll try. I'll see what I can do because I do love the idea, the spontaneity of it. And now that went into a song. Actually, believe it or not, it was written by Elvis Costello.
1: No kidding.
0: But... Chet Baker took that song, As Jazz Musicians Do, and he transformed it into something that I was like, hmm, because I really heard him do it. I knew it was written by Elvis Castello, but the person I heard sing it was Chet Baker in the movie called Let's Get Lost. And what happened with me was, when I was getting started for my first record, a girl I was dating was at the bar at Birdland, you know, while I was performing. And she just told me afterwards, she said, you know, people at the bar keep talking about you and Chet Baker. Why doesn't he do more Chet Baker song? Why don't you think about doing a Chet Baker song for your CD? So I actually did Let's Get Lost on my first CD. And some of my songs did sound so much like Chet Baker that a very famous, two things happened, a very famous jazz writer named Scott Yano, who was writing for like all American jazz, just put this kind of sentence like he sounds eerily like Chet Baker, like almost like, you know, we have some past life connection or something. That was a little bit alarming. I was like, "Hmm, I hope that's a compliment, not a slight. (laughs) End up putting me in his book of the 500 greatest jazz singers, which was quite a compliment. It was a book he had of his choice of the 500 jazz singers in jazz history. But anyway, that was years later. But I was in Tokyo once it was FM Tokyo, and you know they really think they're the creme de la creme over there. So the guy I'm, I'm interviewing on his show, and we're off camera, and he goes, uh, the Japanese guy, he go, okay, next after commercial, Chet Baker, let's get lost, Rick on and let's get lost. So you want to play both songs back to back. Oh. On my, he go, and while it was playing, because we're waiting for the two songs to play, he go, oh, this one, Chet Baker, and that was me. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Michael Franks is another one. They sense my style similar to another artist named Michael Franks. Anyway, Chet Baker did take this song someplace of which I felt like I wanted to take it to another place. So it's my rendition of that specific song, which I said started out with the composer, with the original composer.
1: Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Hey, so let's get back to Jazz for Peace, your baby. And you have something called the empowerment tree. And you say this is like the formula for a successful event. And we'll put a link in the show notes to the the page that describes the empowerment tree. And I'll just list the different steps. And then I'm going to ask you about a couple of them. So the first one is decide who's going to benefit.
0: Right. So that works, by the way. The organization chooses us. In a sense, okay. So what we do, an organization that's interested in Jazz for Peace, and they could be someone watching this podcast, right? When it comes out, you know, it could be someone that you see an outstanding cause. Hey, check out my podcast, see what you think of this. And they watch it like, man, we could really use these things. We're under publicized. we're underfunded, we don't have enough sponsors. We need to new- we need to broaden our donor base, all these things. You know, you showing or or someone in your outreach, just watches it. One of the organizations in your outreach could watch this podcast. So what they do is they simply start out with a comment and the comment represents the seedling, the seedling that falls from the tree. Thousands of them fall, right? A couple of them grow into trees. That's the way a tree works. We're no different from a tree. A tree, listen, that's successful enough for me. You know what I mean? A tree's been around and they'll probably be around long after us at the rate we're going. So Basically, what that organization can do is very simple. They can send us an email to info at jazzforpeace.org, just our generic basic email address. They send us an email that email can say anything they want in their own words. Honesty is, is everything. Honesty and trust is everything in these events. So they send their comment. And whatever they say, that's the seedling. Now we want to take that comment and grow roots. Next is roots. So to grow the roots, what we do is we say, listen, here's our template for roots growing. It's a little template and it has some information about what we want to do for you, what this event could mean to you or whatever, how you want to describe it. And we will fill out what we think, his or her name, and that it will put their comment in. Now we want yours and all that. And they will fix it. Once they approve it, they're going to show that probably first and foremost to their board members. They'll show to the board members, the board members to read and say, wow, this is, we've been waiting for something like this. Boom. That's a comment from me. He's done. You know, if he says, well, we? another one says, gee, I never knew this could really help us done. You know, she adds their comments to the list. Okay. Now those board members, there are probably other people such as. They probably have supporters, you know, other supporters. They might have other people around that organization in their periphery. Could be volunteers, could be staff, et cetera. They all chime in. And now what they do is they send us what is really the equivalent of a VIP list. It's a VIP list of names and comments. We don't need any personal information. They don't have to give us any email addresses, nothing. Just name and comments so we know that the step was completed. That's all we need. And we get an email list of just names and comments. John Smith, this sounds like this is just what we've been looking for. Now we'll work with them to expand the roots because, you know, you have your core roots of a tree, but then you, if you look at a tree, it's woo, it's like spread out. We want to expand those roots. This gives them a chance actually to expand their donor base and their support base and bring more people into their periphery. So a lot of these organizations will have people that they play bridge with, or they go bowling with, or they, you know, little activities that they've been wanting, I don't know what they do, whatever they do, they want to bring them in badminton, and they want to bring them into that organization and be a part of it, but they don't really know how. Now, they can show this to them and say, look, we're having this event, the red carpet treatment's coming out for this world-class cultural event You can be a part of it. What do you think? And now that expands that. Now we have the roots.
1: Let me make sure I understand. So an organization comes to you and says, hey, we want to do this event. And what you're doing is you're teaching them how to expand the roots of the organization by getting support from their board members and then the network of their board members and then the local businesses and then the support networks of the local businesses. And what you're doing really is you're going to hold this event and hopefully what you've done then is help this organization really expand the people who know about the event and will come to support it.
0: Yes, because you have to realize something. When you have an outstanding cause, that's great. That's a wonderful thing. But everyone's walking around saying they have an outstanding cause. People need something extra to get them involved. So now you're using Jazz for Peace and the unprecedented achievements of Jazz for Peace, the amazing story of Jazz for Peace, all the things that Jazz for Peace has done. Jazz for Peace is going to come to your town, maybe for the first time, whatever you have this story between you and Jasper piece together. That hopefully gets people to say, you know what? I've been meaning to check this organization out. I'm going to do it this day. I'm going to be a part of this. Or hopefully I'm going to be a part at the VIP level, which helps them confirm the event quickly. See, the VIPs help confirm the event quickly and they get all the rewards, all the goodies. So they often feel like they got paid to attend the event from all of the things that, you know, depending on who the sponsors are, et cetera.
1: So let me ask you a question. You say that these events are a way to rejuvenate VIP donors. How does that work? How do you rejuvenate these VIP donors who've been giving you money and you're kind of providing them with maybe with the same benefits each year?
0: Right. So this is the rumor. Now we haven't gotten to the branches yet, but just on the roots, and the roots are very important. These people are going to show up at this event and basically receive things. They're not going to do much heavy lifting.
1: They're going to receive things from the local sponsors? Well,
0: yes, they're going to receive things from the local sponsors, but they're also going to attend a VIP meet and greet just for them. They're going to network top people. Sometimes there's celebrities there. Sometimes the mayor is there. Sometimes there's senators, congressmen. We have videos of those. And of course, meet the artist. I'm there. Those kinds of things. We kind of let the cream rise to the top. So there's been some VIP events where they were like, just meeting me was a big deal because they had never had someone like me come to their city or town or country. But another one is like, Hey, maybe I'm not such a big deal, but the fact that, you know, so-and-so are coming. Some of them, Hey, the fact that Robert Mondavi is one of the sponsors is one of, is a big deal, you know, or so-and-so with this type of food or whatever. So, Anyway, we try to get all of it and hopefully you'll attach on to some of it. Some people will enjoy meeting me. Other people will like the food. Other people will like the company. Some people will make new friends and become long-term business partners and associates at this meet and greet. And that, we've also heard that happen too. Anyway... What we're trying to do is have those VIPs say, Jesus, you know, I've been with this organization for 20 years, but I felt like I got paid to come to this one. This was fantastic. I had such a good time. I enjoyed myself. And now we want them to feel rejuvenated, like, hey, I owe them one now. Now they can't wait to get called by the organization to do something because they feel like they've been receiving more than giving at this point. We've had people write them a check and like, I feel guilty. I got to write you a check. I'm sorry. I feel guilty just coming in and enjoying it. The point is we want to reward, thank, reward, and rejuvenate those who have been supporting this organization. So bring the energy back. Now, we also want to expand that because those people always like when more people show up. Oh, there's more people going to help us now. And that's another feeling that we hope that they get at the VIP ceremony. More people are coming on board. More and more people are getting the message. More people are realizing and seeing what a great organization this is, validating our support over the years, etc. All these things play a role just whatever degree they play. And that hopefully helps them feel like they're expanding their donor base and they're also thanking and
1: rewarding those who have been a part of it. That's the roots. That's wonderful. So Rick, part of the formula is to get prestigious and celebrity supporters. That's part of your recipe. How do you do that? And what are some secrets that my listeners can borrow from you?
0: Perfect. I'm so glad to tell you because I'm going to tell you what we have to tell every organization. So it would be great for these organizations to learn these secrets beforehand so they understand how we do it. Because see, a lot of organizations, they get it backwards. They think Okay, let's call up so-and-so. Let's try to get so-and-so board before you even have these other core components. In other words, we have that at branch number five because we want four other branches to be completed before a celebrity even knows about, or, you know, a celebrity or a prestigious supporter, those people. We want them to feel like they're missing out.
1: Ah, I think I see where you're going with this. You know, many organizations try to get the big headliner in order to get everybody else. But you're saying, no, no, actually start with the local business sponsors, create a bunch of publicity, get a bunch of local and corporate brands, raise money, and then you get the celebrity supporter. Because at that point, they're going to want to be part of something that's already big and successful. And then they help to make it even bigger. So you're flipping the formula. That is brilliant. A lot of the stuff that
0: we do is actually backwards. People have it completely backwards. You know, know the funder are the three most important words. That's what we learned. So that's why we like organizations to tip them off ahead of time. Listen, we have a page. Know the funder. We have peace.org forward slash know the Go there. We have a 20-second fast facts. You can just click on that and read our fast facts. And from there, you can send a comment to Jazz for Peace. If you like what you see, there's tons of stuff for you to review and click on, which we would love. The more you know about us, the
1: better. The more you know about us, the more we can do for you. I see. That makes total sense. So we will put a link in the show notes to jazzforpeace.org and encourage people to check out the formula and to check out Jazz for Peace and see if maybe you can help them out, especially some of these organizations that perhaps are lesser known and you can really help raise their profile.
0: Yes. And you know, in all honesty, it just depends on the organization. We've helped the very biggest ones, but everyone is someplace. We help people get from where you are now to where you need to be. So that could be from life support to a comfortable position to a comfort zone. It could be from thriving to super succeeding. Stratospheric, right? Yes. I mean, where you are now to where you need to be, that's why when you look at those testimonials, you see all the big names because we work for them. And not only
1: that, we share all of our knowledge combined. Hey, Rick, what's been your favorite concert? Or is that an unfair question? It's kind of unfair because they've been so different, so unique. Okay, let me ask you another question. What's the most far-flung place you've been to with a concert? I mean, I've been to Africa nine times. Where'd you go in Africa? Tell us about one of those concerts. First time I went to Africa was to Rwanda. Ah. This story I'm going to
0: tell you now, I can equal it with hundreds of others because It's just so unique and crazy. What
1: happened was Rwanda had that genocide in the Hotel Rwanda. They had a civil war, right, between the Hutus and the Tutsis crazy thing. Over a million people died
0: in that. And for 14 years, nobody wanted anything to do with Vermont. Trust me, nobody wanted anything to do with that country. And now they got to the point where they're like, you know what? We want the world to check us out. We want the world to look at where we're at now and we want to get back in. We want to be part of everything. You know, We have a lot to offer. Forget this genocide. We want to put it behind us. This is where we are now. And in order to get them worldwide attention again, almost like a business card of where they are now, they had something called Amahora Week. And Amahoro is the African word for peace. So they flew in these runners from all over the world to have a world peace marathon. And then they had Jazz for Peace come
1: and do two concerts. Hey, Rick, to close us out, do you want to play a piece for us? Sure. I'm going to try to improvise and play the Jazz for Peace
0: poem. Sometimes it's hard to remember the words while I'm making up the music, but I'm going to make up the music up to the poem at the same time.
2: I hear jazz for peace, coming through the trees,
0: my heart, it fills me
2: with a celebration.
0: I see the light.
2: I want to follow. Inspired by the past contributions of those that came before.
1: that was magnificent. Rick, I want to thank you so much for sharing your experience, your music, your journeys, and your insights. So thank you so much for being on Associations Thrive with me. I hope you'll come back. Okay, my pleasure, Juliana. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Associations Thrive, We're so glad to have you here. You know, my personal mission and the mission of my company, Matrix Group International, is to help associations and nonprofits increase membership, generate revenue, and thrive in the digital space. I wanna hear stories of how your organization is thriving in today's challenging landscape. Please apply to be on my show by going to podcast.matrixgroup.net. By the way, do you need help with a digital initiative? Maybe it's a website redesign, a new membership database, or a hybrid meeting that you're planning. I'd love to connect with you. Please visit the Matrix Group website at matrixgroup.net. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Associations Thrive. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, leave a five-star rating, post a comment, and share it with your colleagues and friends. Bye!